Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. How have you been, Ben? How's, how's your week? Ben's been pretty good, I yeah. guess. I, I don't all know. All right. That's good. I've nice had to, hear. to do, like, papers in all my classes. Oy. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's I don't like my favorite. I don't, I don't want to talk about school. I, I don't know if I have PTSD or what. <laughs> Bob's not in school anymore. I'm not so. in school anymore, but I don't want to talk about Remember it. Remember the good old days? No, not the good old days. The the days of being poor and living in a dorm. I'm Ugh. still poor, huh? I'm still poor. I don't live in a dorm though. Well, that's you know that's on you. We have the same job. <laughs> you don't live in a dorm either though. Well, yeah, but at least I have can like. You, can you imagine still living in the dorm? Oh God, I could never. Like I got lucky my freshman year and had like an apartment style dorm, which just meant that we both had our own bedroom and we shared a living space. We all both had our own bathroom too, which is really nice. But I like, <laughs> I used to go to my friend's house. My friend's not house. His dorm over in like Threckold or Miller. Heinous. I could never live in like a traditional dorm. I'm more thinking along the lines of I took time off from school. Like I took time off and then went back. Yeah. So you know who lives in dorms? Who? Freshmen. Oh, oh God. Who are eighteen. No, I'm so good. weird. That is we oh God. God weird. That's weird. It's weird. I'm like, yeah. I feel like an old man, you know that? Like I don't I don't often well actually I feel old a lot now. But, but youngin. We're not that old, man. And it I mean, feels like You're not that old. We're not doing this in the podcast again. <laughs> We've had this discussion. You're not. I, I'm a 90s kid, okay? 1999, so. my ass. You couldn't have stayed in there for a couple more months and been born in 2000 like the rest of us? No. Okay. I was just wondering. I didn't know if you, you know, had, I don't know if you were busy. Yeah. Got a little cramped in there. You big ass head. Had to pop out. Anything, anything new with you, Bob? Uh, I bought you bagels, by the way. Yeah, you did. Well, you didn't bring them. You bought them. I have 20, now 25 bagels <laughs> in my freezer. They're all awesome. the same thing. Yeah. I think we both got everything bagels, bo- right? All everything bagels. Yeah. By the way, Baker's Dozen worth of bagels. Yeah. Super cheap there. Really? How much was it? Eighteen fifty. That's not bad at all. No. That's actually like I got a sandwich. Sandwich was thirteen dollars. Never doing that again. Yeah, that's that's expensive for a sandwich. But I mean, for that many bagels, dude, I if I eat one bagel a day, that's bagels for two weeks if I only eat them on the weekdays for like breakfast. Yeah. That's pretty well, good. Almost three. Well, yeah, it's not quite three. thirteen. Yeah, but I mean, like that's pretty solid. Get some cream cheese or some peanut butter. Hell yeah. Ew! Don't put peanut butter on that. <laughs> it's an everything bagel. Put peanut butter on a bagel. It's fine. Yeah, but not an everything bagel. Why not? The onion with the peanut butter. Yeah, it's tasty. You're a disgusting little man. D- mm, don't, disgusting don't say that little, to me. No, no, no. Don't little, say that to me. Don't say that to me. No, no, no. no. We're not. We're, okay. Little gremlin. Okay. We're not. Ha- you, you pushed me too far. <laughs> you are the one who makes a fucking gallon of egg salad or tuna fish salad. Sorry. No, that's disgusting. It was tuna fish salad. Yeah. And it tuna wasn't fish salad. a gallon. It was, you know, the really big mixing bowls you used you mean to make like the biggest mixing in? bowl ever. Yeah. We filled that to the brim with tuna salad. So more than a gallon. Yes. Of tuna fish salad. Yes. Foul. Get out of here. You can't judge me. It's prideful. It, I can't I can't say I'll stop. I gotta Put it stop on myself. Rye bread. Listen, all I'm saying is you cannot judge me when you eat that much tuna fish salad. That is rank. No, that's that's pretty normal. That much, dude? That's crazy. Dude, that tuna fish salad was gone in like two or three days. Yeah, well, okay. Between you and a roommate, it wasn't just you. Yeah, but it's a lot of tuna It sounds fish a lot salad. worse if it was just you. Yeah, I couldn't have eaten that. And in all honesty, I think my my roommate ate most of it. But really, it's a good amount. It was like we it was it was this moment of we have I think between us fifteen cans of tuna in the house. Jesus Christ! We should do something with that. I don't even like tuna that much. Like it's fine, I guess. I used to eat a lot as a kid, but not anymore. Not for me. 
All right. Well, do you have anything to share, Bob? I got nothing else, Benjamin. I guess we should get to the movie part of the podcast, huh? All right. So it's our last movie of this board. You could be lying to me. There could be two movies here. This could be our second that's, to last that's movie. That's not how the board works. There's always a set amount of movies on it. Oh, yeah. Well, I say movies and spaces interchangeably. That's what I'm saying. I, I took a minute for me to figure out what you're talking there about. There could be more than one movie here. We didn't have any doubles this time, which was pretty surprising considering we had what last time? Three. Uh, one triple, one double, two doubles. two doubles. Is that it? I think that's it. I think it. so. Like, but that's a lot of extra movies. That's an extra five movies? No, I lie. Four movies? Yes. On the board? It's pretty solid. That's a good amount. This time, none, which is honestly really surprising. I mean, I don't have to ask what space we're doing or anything, because you know. I mean, it's spot two in pseudo-documentary. And do you want to tell the audience oh, why you're so excited for this? Because it's the last spot no, 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 on no. my spot? Do you, do you want to inform everyone why you're excited for this? Oh, this was the movie that I'm most excited about on this board because it's like the reason I chose my category. There it is. That's what I wanted to hear because that is so cool and I'm so excited to see what you're going to scam me with now, today. Obviously, I already knew about like the Bay and Poughkeepsie tapes. Sure. So We've I, talked about the Poughkeepsie tapes before we watched it. So basically what happened is I was like, I want to watch this movie on the board, the one we're going to watch today. I was like, what else is kind of like that? And I was like, uh, Poughkeepsie tapes, throw yeah. that on. Because yeah. that's weird. The bay. Disturbing. Scary. All right. You ready? Oh, God. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm really nervous. I'm going to tell you the title, and I want you to let me know if you've heard of it. Okay. But, uh, we're watching Lake Mungo. I've never heard of this. Okay. Then we're going to have a fun time. Lake Mungo. Yep. Can we? Okay. All right. Hold on. Are we doing this again? Doing what? Am I gonna? Am I gonna have a bad time, Ben? No. Lake Mungo. I no. Okay. I know the name has lake in it. No, you're not gonna have a bad okay. time. Okay. For Thank anyone you. who doesn't know, Bob didn't like the bay because it was the ocean, or technically, I, I just don't like brackish, water. But water is water scares me. Not a water film. Okay, good. That's great. I'm having a better time now. The name is funny sounding though. Like Mungo. Like Mungo. Yeah, it's a real place. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I like when um movies don't make places up and they just go, "Hey, this is a real place. Go there." Mm-hmm. Like it's nice. So, you ready for the description? Yeah. Chronicles a family struggle with grief after the death of their eldest daughter. Well, this is okay. This is giving me this feels like oh god, I don't know. I just based on the description, um oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This feels See, the interesting thing is it's a mockumentary, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. What, docu- uh, pseudo-documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, we keep saying mockumentary and pseudo-documentary. They're interchangeable, but one has more of a connotation of a comedy. Yeah, and none of these movies have been particularly funny. No. <laughs> well, okay, there was one funny part in the Poughkeepsie tapes, but it was only because of the delivery of the line. Yeah. But no, I... <sighs> I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but this feels most the most like a found like the description sounds the most like a found footage film to me, right? Or like a documentary, you mean? Y- no, like an actual found footage film. Yes. Okay. Because this, if just based on the description, you know, I know I don't know shit about this fucking movie. It feels like it's gonna be similar, something similar to not Blair Witch, but in the same vein. Really? Right? That's yeah. The... Just based on my, I just the vibe. I'm, I'm, this is baseless. No, no basis of anything. I'm just wondering where you're getting this vibe from. This is that's my, not the vibe I get at all. That's my gut check. And it's going to be horribly wrong, and I'm excited. It is. Awesome. Um, okay. To kind of spoil your vibe check, first of all, it's a it's a pseudo-documentary. Yeah. I, for me, I generally associate the term found footage with, like, I guess really out there events happening. Sure. Because usually there's this connotation of everyone dies, right? Mm-hmm. Found footage and they find it. Yeah, usually. Uh, it's a little bit different. It tends to be in pseudo-documentaries. Oh, yeah, of course. Just a heads up before we get into this movie. This is probably the most realistic pseudo-documentary we're going to watch here. Oh, no. Like, if I told you right now that this was real, I think you'd believe me. Oh, no. Like, that level of... Holy shit. Realistic. Okay, that's kind of awesome. Okay. So this is my awesome, my, my disclaimer. This is a movie. Oh, well, I... It's not it. actually real. Okay, so here's another 
question. Do you think I'll need the barf bucket? You should have it anyways. Well, yeah, but I'm just, you know. Trying I'm to not going to tell you either way. I'm trying to prepare because, my stomach. Like, cause I feel like that's a spoiler, today. but you well, should have it. Well, it kind of is, but, general, you know. Which, so every time you ask me, my, my response is, just have it with you. I'm hoping one day you'll slip up. That's what I want. Just one of these days. Length is an hour and 27 minutes long. Oh, it's actually a little short. It's rated R. Thank God. Review score. Okay. IMDb, 6.3 out of 10. Okay. Tomato meter, 93%. Oh, okay. All right. So that's the critic score, essentially. And audience scores are 63. Well, last time we had something with a super high critic score and a kind of middling audience score was Deborah Logan. Yeah. And that movie made me sad. But it also scared the piss out of me. Yeah, Mostly the snakes. But obviously, stuff. you know I like this movie. Yeah, well, the thing is, you like this movie, so I'm excited because we generally like the same things. Yep. Just as a you know, state general statement. So it got one nomination. Okay. And that was the Fright Meter Award for Best Horror Movie. Oh, all right. That's kind of cool. Didn't win it. I mean, I at least it got nominated, right? That means some people like it. Yeah. All right. People to kind of look out for in this film. All right. Rosie Trainer as June Palmer. Uh, she's also played Miss McGrath in Cut Snake. David Pledger as Russell Palmer. Uh, he's played Susie's boyfriend in Grievous Bodily Harm. Oh my god. Martin Sharp as Matthew Palmer. He played Scooter Carpenter from Scooter Secret Agent. I don't know what that is. And Talia Zucker as Alice Palmer. She also played Melanie from Scooter Secret Agent. Okay. Interesting. And you might not know these people because this is an Australian film. Oh shit. That would that make yeah. that makes sense. I was curious why I cuz they fi- I don't know why. This is another gut check for me. Those names sound like they should be more famous to me, if that makes sense. Nah, these are kind of smaller actors, too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Martin Sharp and Tally were both on, like, a TV show, but... Mm-hmm. All right, so, uh, writer and director is Joel Anderson. This is his first and only writing and directing credit for a full-length film. Hmm, interesting. Does he do TV or something? I don't remember. Okay, just curious. Budget is $1.4 million Australian dollars. That's okay. estimated. And the box office was 29850 Australian dollars. <sighs> that sucks. I always get so sad when movies lose money on the show. It's not good. Well, yeah, but, like, I just, I know, I don't know. I guess I feel bad for the people who made it because I know how hard people work on stuff and to not make money on it sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so it's also known as O Segredo do Lago Mungo. That's the Portuguese title, uh, and that just means the sacred... The Secret of Lake Mungo. Oh, okay. Um, and the other one is La Aparicion de Alice, which is the Mexican DVD title. Hmm. Alice's Appearance. Interesting. So, tagline. In 2008, Alice Palmer died. Her nightmare didn't. Oh, no. Wee. God. Oh. <sighs> ready for some facts, Bobbert? Yeah, I'm ready. I This movie, I'm, I went from excited to stressed... Back to excited to stressed again. No, it's not like you've ever been scared of my category before. No, never. Not like it's probably been the most scary one on the board for you. Mm, yeah, correct. <laughs> you are absolutely 100% correct. So, this premiered at the Sydney Film Festival on June 18, 2008. This choice of a found footage style movie was chosen by Anderson in the effort to create a movie that could be shot on a low budget. That As, right. as one does. Uh, Low-profile actors were used to maintain the film's feeling of authenticity. This includes Anderson himself, who goes uncredited as the film's interviewer during the interview scenes. That's actually really cool. I... I'm going to say this again. I've said it every time you brought it up. I love when directors get involved in the thing they're making because it means they have more control to make it exactly how they want and their vision can be realized. And I think in most cases it helps the film. Now, in some cases it doesn't. You just like seeing a writer-director work. Yeah, it's because that's just, it's cool. It's cool. 
It's cool. No written dialogue was provided in the script. Only the story's outline in order to force actors to improvise their scenes. That's fucking awesome. It definitely helps with authenticity. That's so cool. I'm a huge. I'm a theater kid, right? So yeah. I did a lot of improv, like just as practice when we were doing scenes and stuff. It's hard. It's really hard to do it well but and it, to bounce right. Because people don't seem like they know what they're going to say, it makes it seem more realistic. Oh, that's so cool. Like I said, this is the film that I think sells the idea that it's real the hardest. Oh, now I see I'm back to excited. Uh, the film was shown at a number of film vessels for its wide release on DVD. So okay. I don't think it necessarily had a theatrical release. So mm, could be why it has a low budget. That's all I got. All right. Well, I guess. Go watch Lake Mungo. Going to go watch Lake Mungo, everybody. See you in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just went and finished watching Lake Mungo. Yep. Hooray. This is going to kind of be, I think, a more difficult film to talk about. Yes. Just because there's a, a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the film that I don't want to spoil. Yeah, because this is a very... Some films are very uh, narrative, and you don't really need to watch them to understand what's happening. This movie, I think, is very visual. Yeah. A lot of it is seeing stuff. So I don't want to talk about stuff because you have to watch it to get it. Right. And it's really and I don't want to take away the impact, right? And also like personally, I want you guys to go and watch this film. Yeah, go watch it. So, even when we get to the more spoilery parts of this review, I'm going to avoid saying a lot of stuff that happens. I mean, I think we should completely avoid some stuff. Oh yeah. Because there's some, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's a moment where I just threw my hands in the air and said, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, there was a good, solid... I marked, I think, the only <laughs> comment you made at the end of it and the comment you made right beforehand. And I think there's a five-minute gap where I was watching Bob to see if he would give a reaction. And he was just staring at the screen, hands beside his head, mouth agape for like five minutes. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I was... thought you were going to say something. No, what, what do I say? <laughs> what do I even say? I thought you were going to go, like, what the fuck? But no, you were just like, oh, 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 oh. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so <sighs> there's a lot of stuff in that film. So even when we do our spoilers, I don't think we're going to talk about a lot. No. But even the stuff we do talk about is going to take away from the movie. Yeah. So really, really go watch it. I oh, okay. I really like this film. I think it's great. Bob is a little iffy on that. No, you'll see. We'll but talk about it. I guess let's start with no spoilers. Before we get to anything. Oh, okay. I told you I was going to tell you this movie fucked me up for a particular reason. Why? I mentioned at the start of this episode, I've been having nightmares. Oh, yeah. Bob kept getting angry at the film. He, That's his true. His hand would raise and he'd start shaking. I think I gave I gave the bird to the- You gave the bird at one point? Uh-huh. He, he, his repeated insult when anyone uh, starts scaring him and he's like really anxious is he goes, you bitch! <laughs> or fuck you. Those are my two. But So I've been having nightmares for the past two days in a row. I've woken up both nights with nightmares. Uh-huh. Not last night, but the night before, the first nightmare I had, and this is relevant to the movie because we already know this, Alice dies. Yeah, that's kind of the premise of the That's the premise of the movie. We said that in the opening. I had a nightmare my sister was dying. Like, I had a nightmare something horrible happened to my sister, and I literally woke up in a cold sweat and called her because I felt, like, a sense of immense dread, like something, like, I thought she was dead. Which like, sister, the random blonde lady? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my sister works in the same building as us, and when Ben sees her, he goes, why is that random blonde lady talking to you? I'm like, you know who that is, you fuck. So, watching this fucking movie, and watching these parents and this brother go through the like go through grief after having a nightmare that my sister had died, and feeling like that immense dread, not the same thing, but holy shit, that's getting, a lot to deal with in a weekend. You're getting triggered? Yeah. Alright, well, you ready to move on to the no spoiler section of the discussion? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Alright, so... 
I don't have much to say here. Uh, this is kind of going to be like a rough overview of what this film is. And like the only summary I can get into yeah. is that this film is the combination of a character drama, mm-hmm. a study of grief, and a yeah. very classic ghost story all yeah. rolled into one. So if that sounds good to you, go watch it. I yeah. Um, I, I, this is one of those movies I just say, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It, it is one of those things so, where all those things individually are pretty slow. Yeah. And so combined together, this is a slow film. Dude. We got to the end and Bob was like, I feel like I've been watching this for four hours. Is it over yet? I think I said this is the longest hour and 27 minutes of my life. Yeah. And it can be that way because you're just constantly not on edge, but you're unnerved almost. I was just waiting. Yeah. I was just waiting to see what happened. I like and I don't want to say it was it wasn't slow in a bad way at all. No. Well, I mean, I like slower films. I do, too. Whatever. But I like there was a. There's so much tension yeah. the whole fucking time. And I, I think there's a reason there's tension. Uh, we'll get into that in a spoiler section. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's just... I. It I, works very well, the pacing. It Yes. But if you if that sounds like something you're not into, this film's going to be brutal for you in a bad way. So, you know, just a heads up there. The only other thing I really want to talk about in this section... I said, I think, at the beginning of this podcast that I think this is probably the movie that is the most realistic out of the pseudo-documentaries. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I thought this while we were watching it. You know how uh, on Discovery they'll play random-ass documentaries and stuff at late at night because they mm-hmm. have no other programming? I would imagine I turned the TV on at, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m., and this would be playing on Discovery Channel. Oh, yeah. Like, if someone didn't tell me this was a movie and I had seen it, it rolls. and they told me it was like, oh, yeah, this is just a story from Australia, I would be like, okay. It just rolls like a documentary. It's it straight up feels like one. It feels they like do an such a good fucking job at making it feel like a documentary. And we talked about it in the pre. The fact that none of these characters have lines is fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what they're supposed to say is pretty scripted. Sure, because there's they know the story beats, but they mm-hmm. don't. They aren't told like how to say it exactly. But definitely some of the lines you can tell they don't know what to say, and it causes them to pause naturally and to mm-hmm. think. And it, it definitely feels like someone who is struggling for words yeah. because they're talking about something they don't really know or want to talk about. Sure, it, it, I don't know. It gives a similar reaction, so it it looks really real. Their interviews, it's good. I also think the film does more accurate documentary interviews mm-hmm. than for any sure. of the other ones. Oh yeah. I also enjoy the, I guess this is kind of not really spoilers, but there are lots of really, really good, like, inside the house footage that feels like it was shot specifically, what's the word? It feels less like found footage and more like a documentary. Yeah. Because of the way they shoot a lot of the house stuff. Yeah, most of most of the quote-unquote found footage stuff is not in the same quality Mm-mm. as the footage for the documentary. Yeah. Because it's been shot on, I think, very specifically cameras that those characters would have had, which yeah. is a, an attention to the detail that most found footage films oh, don't dude, do. It, it's so cool seeing how they establish the camera stuff because yeah. it doesn't feel forced at all. It's like, oh, he, now here's some of this footage that just ha- like it makes sense. It makes total yeah. sense the way they do it and set it up. Like, it's the, so good. It, it doesn't feel like they're using filters. It doesn't nope. feel like it's forced. And then, like Bob said, then there's a lot of footage. In fact, most of the footage in the movie is stuff that's shot specifically for the documentary, so yep. it looks nicer. It makes sense that they're using professional framing of shots. Exactly. It feels like it was professionally done for the documentary. And also, a lot of it's very pretty and mm-hmm. atmospheric. And oh, they, yeah. They have a beautiful like soundtrack in the background. It's not necessarily music, but a common thing they would do, I don't know if you noticed, they would show like the night sky, mm-hmm. but they would have telephone poles, or like electric wires cutting through it. Yeah. And they'd fade them in and out. And as they'd fade them in and out, 
you'd hear like if you've ever put a wire under pressure and hit it and it makes that sound mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah they throw that over some of the documentary at times it was just good sound design yeah it it does such a good job at acting and feeling like a real documentary but a high quality one mm-hmm. yeah no it, fe- it feels really really well made um like if, it's almost interesting because if if this had been an actual documentary the story itself is not huge Mm-mm. So I can totally imagine this not being like a big documentary. Sure. But it does feel like it was made by a professional company. Oh, yeah. Big time. Cool. Do you have anything else to say, though, on like kind of just general style stuff? I don't think so. All right. Go watch it once again. That Actually, that reminded me. Where did we watch this so people oh, can go watch we it? We watched it on Shudder. Yep. Which was super cool because it got added after I had put it on the board. So, yeah, which is super like, nice. The day after. It was he literally cool. walked into work and was like, do not go to Shudder. You will have something mega spoiled. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Because now it's buried under like a bunch of added news Yeah, stuff, like, but... what is that movie? The Lair? That fucking crazy looking alien movie? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, but yeah. Yeah, you can go watch it on Shudder. I'm pretty sure you can branch or buy it off Amazon. I, I will think that's how probably I buy one. a Blu-ray for this movie. I really like it, but Seriously, go watch it before you hear anything about it. This is one of those films where stuff happens that you want to react to. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, before you even so much detail. Hinted at. There's so much detail in this movie. So much so that I Ben was just pointing shit out. And I was like, that was there the whole time? <laughs> Bob got really angry because I got pointed out. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to get into stuff. Yeah. And we're going to try and avoid spoilers here. Yeah. And little things. Mm-hmm. Just so in case you decide to listen on from this point on, you get to keep some of those those moments in there. Yeah. Uh, for instance, we're not going to talk about that one thing where we said Bob kind of open mouth. I also gave. just don't want to talk about that thing. That's, that's fair. We're not going to talk about the thing where Bob was like, that was there the whole time. Yep, we're not talking about that. Uh, although, if you go and watch this movie and you figure out what we're talking about, mm-hmm. it is. This is definitely a good film where you can rewatch the whole film and notice things that you didn't notice the first time. Yep. And the film reveals to you what those things are as the film progresses. Yeah. But things are framed specifically so you don't notice them the first time even though they're in frame. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the films where this does it best. I kept referring to we're getting Michaeled. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just a lot of, just there's just stuff in the background. That you don't notice the first time. Yep. And the film points it out later in the film, but if this was a less quality piece of uh, filmography, yeah, if it they was would shot have just differently. edited it in. Yep. They wouldn't have like gone to the lengths, the lengths. of yeah. having it in there and then just centering your attention on something else. That takes a lot of skill. Oh, yeah. To do well. Because, I mean, well. it's been done poorly a lot. Because then you just notice shit. it, and the, the, yeah. the reveals are not mm-hmm. There's no tension, right? There's yeah. no, like, build-up. It's just sort of like, oh, there it is. All right, so instead of, like, breaking down this film into what happened, sure. I instead want to, I guess, talk about the different characters in this piece and kind of some of their reactions. Sure. Because that's... That's really what this film is. It's it's a character drama, and then it's dealing with how all these people deal with their own issues and grief. And so I think us getting to talk about that is a better way to explore this film instead of kind of spoiling some of those reveals that happen as the story progresses. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. I, I Yeah, I agree. So I think the characters we start with first, because I think they're less complicated, are the mom and dad. Yeah, they're pretty straightforward. In this film, uh, there are two parents dealing with the death of their kid. Yeah. And... They definitely handle it differently. Very differently. The dad seems to be, I don't know, the more I don't down want to, to say, earth one. I was going to say indifferent, but not that's not really the word he's I want. He's not wanted. indifferent. He's just, I'd say he's like a realist. He's handling it. And he's kind of accepted the situation. He's accepted it. But is he the thing. doesn't want to dwell on it mm-hmm. because it, it makes him really sad and he knows he has to like keep going on because he has a family. Yeah. It 
Whereas the mom is like, hey, I think she tends to be the more spiritual of the two. For sure. And then also she's she's just falling apart. Yeah. She's like, they say she's having nightmares all the time. There's a really small aside, and I'm going to mention it now because I don't think it's a spoiler for anything. But she talks about having nightmares after the accident. Oh, yeah. And she would go, like, walking for hours and hours at night so she didn't have to sleep. Yep. And she would, like, go into other people's homes. That was weird. Which is weird, but I assume small town where everything's really safe and people leave their doors unlocked. Mm -hmm. But she would apparently go into people's houses, I assume just into their living rooms, and, like, stand there because she wanted to be a part of, I guess, someone else's life where everything was still together. Yeah. So she just didn't have to think about her own. I don't know. I It's just an interesting dichotomy of having two characters handling their grief differently. Yeah. And I, I think something that's really cool that I picked up on, and I don't know if that was just because the actors were really good or what, the mom expressed a lot of her grief outwardly. Yeah. And was very open about it and had a lot of, I don't know, physical we, reactions. Yeah, we hear her voice wavering. She cries at one point. Yeah. The f- dad does not do that, but oh my god, the look in his fucking eyes when he is talking almost made me cry. Yeah. I was losing it. Like, the dad, the actor for the dad doesn't seem physically emotional, but he he's doing a very good job, whether intentional or not, of playing a character who's trying to suppress grief. The inward, I could feel his soul, bro. Oh, God, he's so good. Um, it, oh. But I don't know. I, I think it's interesting getting to see because there's generally a stereotype with how, I think, moms and dads, mm-hmm. or I guess more to the point, men and women handle grief. Yeah. Uh, one being emotional and one being logical. Yeah. It, so it was just interesting getting to see that because mm-hmm. I think that's an experience that a lot of people have as in their own families. Mm-hmm. So getting it portrayed in like something like this makes it feel more par for the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also a good lead in to the fact that a lot of this movie, because I said it's an old style ghost story, mm-hmm. revolves around the fact that the family feels like they're being haunted by Alice's ghost. Yep. I don't necessarily want to get into the why and the how. Yeah. Right now. I, there's because this, this one is so hard to talk about. Yeah. Because I don't want to miss the. I want to talk about it because it's cool, but I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, we'll get there. And so the more we talk about this, the more spoilers we're gonna have, and we'll give you warnings before we say something big. Yeah. But eventually what happens is the mom starts going to this psychic consultant, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about him in a bit. That's kind of the next guy we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, his name's Ray, and she kind of goes to him to help with her grief, and eventually Ray starts coming to the home. They do a seance and stuff, and he kind of becomes involved with everything. Yep. I guess what I want to ask is, what did you think about the difference between the mom's reactions to the psychic and kind of the ghost stuff versus the dad's? Do you have any thoughts on that? So here's here's something that I found very, very interesting when ray first shows up mm-hmm. the, the mom is all about it because she's like i've already consulted with this guy i believe what he's up to like i believe in his ability to you know feel the dead and stuff like that you know he he's a psychic the dad's skeptical at first right and he he feels like he I feels mean, like he can't trust him but also the one of the first things he says whenever it shows ray coming into the house is like oh he wasn't spooky he wasn't weird he was just a normal guy yeah, trying I, to help. I think during a talking head interview, the dad even goes like, I mean, the wife wanted to invite him over, and I don't have thoughts one way or another on, like, psychics, but I, yeah. I wouldn't want him in my house for dinner. Yeah. 
Which it, is followed by the, but he wasn't spooky or anything. Yeah, which is very interesting to see, like, I guess the stigma around that from yeah. the dad's perspective and not from the mom's. It's just, it was just a very interesting sort of uh, dichotomy between their two ideas. And, of course, I feel like the dad comes around because he's not what he expects. He's more of just, a, if you look at Ray, he's an old gray-haired man with glasses who wears, like, a button-up. He doesn't look, you which know. Which you'd stereotypically think of as a Yeah, he just looks like some Australian man. Like, it's, you not know. Not like a, a con man or anything no he just and i think the dad also sees he does not have ill intentions either yeah like he's not trying to he and right even says this in one of the other target interviews is like i'm not trying to scam them for money i'm just trying to help them get over this like i'm trying to help them grieve in the proper way that's all he's trying to do which i think leads into some interesting stuff later about oh we're not gonna talk but like the stuff with matthew later and stuff yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to those characters i guess what i'm trying to say is do you think it was a good choice to have a character that is more receptive of the idea of ghosts and stuff and then one that isn't Mm -hmm. yeah i think especially because we get to see like how they react differently to being exposed to that stuff yeah i thought it was a good way to balance kind of the tone of the film it keeps it less like oh there's ghosts and more no this is how these people are dealing with their trauma i think it fit the documentary style so well like honestly because if it leaned too far into ghosts it doesn't really i think it would lose its edge if it leaned too far ghost. Yeah, I, this is, I think, where I'm going to address what I meant by, like, an old-style ghost story. It, when I say old-style, I mean, like, classic, like, mm-hmm. literature classic ghost story. Where it's it's more about, like, there's a presence there. Yeah. And less about, oh, this this thing that wants to murder me. Or, oh, there's this thing that's, like, shaking the house and causing harm. It's like, yeah. no, there's just a thing. There. Yep. Like, it's haunting me. It's over my shoulder. It's there. That's kind yeah. of what this is as a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about the mom and the dad? Uh, I think we're going to move on to Ray now. I think that's it for now. Maybe, maybe some more later if I think of something, but for now we'll move on. Okay. So, as we said... Ray's the psychic in this film, mm-hmm. and he comes in because the mom kind of consults him over some of her grief and stuff, and, you know, then he comes to the house, he does the seance, and it, he starts to get involved when he hears about, like, the ghost stuff that's happening in the house, Yeah, right? And he becomes kind of close to the family. Yeah. Did you kind of pick up on, I think, why he became close to the family? I mean, they make the comment about, like, Ray potentially needing it as much as they did. Yeah. Did you get that? Like, the why? Kind of, I guess. I mean, I I assume he doesn't make that much money being a psychic in Australia. You know what I mean? Like, he goes on tours and stuff. I assume he's probably one of the few, though, during that time period. Fair, it's like 2008. Because he was on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess... I mean, monetary gain, of course, but he Ray, once again, he says that he's not yeah. trying to bleed them for I money. I honestly don't know how much money he was I have no paid. idea either. It kind of felt like once he started being around the house more, he'd probably stop taking I think it was money. more of an interest in, in the case itself, yeah. right? It was sort of... I don't know. I just got the feeling like he stopped charging. Probably at some point. I mean, he was there forever. Yeah. He did a lot of stuff with them. like Just because it, it felt more like he became a family friend. Yeah, and less like he was being a paid psychic. Yeah, so you don't... No, I mean, I, I guess I really don't get why he was sticking around so much. Okay, so the takeaway I got for why he got so involved with the family. Because it, sure. it does seem a little bit odd. Maybe a little, but I at mean... The, at one point, Matthew goes on tour with him. Like, yeah. Just the two of them. Yeah. And Matthew's like... 15, 16? 15, 16, yeah. Strange older man that we hired. Yeah. But I think it's because, first of all, Ray's old. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old he is. Probably 60, 70. 60, 70. Yeah. Uh, but he's an immigrant. I think he says he's originally from, like, Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the implication I get is he doesn't have a lot of family here. That so would make sense. he's very lonely. Yeah. The only family we hear him mention about that is implied to be alive is he's like, I have a 15-year-old daughter yep. who lives on the other side of the country. With her mom. With her mom. So I think the implication I get there is he doesn't talk to them or see them a lot. 
Probably not. Ooh, that's an interesting aside. I just thought about this. So, do you think that Ray has taken an interest in the case because he can relate to the grief that the family is experiencing? Not that his daughter is dead, but the fact that they're going through this and he can uh, relate to that. Because, if I mean, if his daughter died, I'm sure he would want some sort of outside perspective, I guess. I think in a way. I think uh, Ray's an innately sympathetic person. Sure. And I think part of his investment in the case is he can understand, like, potentially what it'd be like to lose a, a kid that young. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was just trying to imply the idea that I think he becomes almost too involved with the case because, like, he feels lonely. And yeah. so by helping them, he was kind of, like, helping himself. Mm -hmm. I think that's why he became, like, a family friend rather than a psychic. That makes sense. No, yeah, I understand that. Um, I think the other thing I want to get into is what did you think of Ray as a psychic? Did you think he was, like, credible or what? So here's my thing. Because I have, I have an interesting read on him. I don't know if he's credible or not, mm -hmm. and I don't think I can form a basis of that at all based on what I saw in the movie because the only really psychic thing he does is try to perform a seance, and they basically say nothing happened. Nothing right? happened, right? Yeah. And everything else that we see him do, I wouldn't even call being a psychic. I would call being a therapist. Yeah. He's very much... Outside of like, to quote, to quote the dad again, he's not ooky spooky. He's not like channeling spirits or anything like that. It feels like he just has a broader understanding of the world and he's using, he's just using his knowledge to try and help people, but framing it as being a psychic because he's talking about the past, I guess, or like the dead. Yeah. Do you want me to give you my read on him? Yes. So I don't think he's what most people would traditionally consider a psychic. Yeah, me either. Um, he, I mean, he even admits with the Ellis stuff he's never seen a ghost before. Yeah. What I think he is is someone who is very spiritual. Yeah. I, I think he's... I think he even says, like, I don't know what happens after you die. So yeah. I, I think he's kind of agnostic, but I think he comes from both a, a personal place and a cultural place mm -hmm. of being very spiritual and believing there's something. He's not sure what, but kind of having that sense of there's something after you die. You yeah. Know? I, I think that's him personally, right? Sure. And I think he also has this want to help people. But I think as a psychic, rather than being like, oh, I'm talking to the dead, like we most we mostly think about as psychics. Yeah, I mean, that's like, what that's I'm the first thing my mind comes to. Reading something about you. What I think he actually is, if I was going to like put what I feel is a more fitting term, mm -hmm. is I think he's a grief counselor and a hypnotist. Oh, I didn't even think about that. What we see of his, we do get to see some of his sessions. Yeah. And he, he films them all. And he saves a tape for his clients and one for himself, which I, I just want to say this now. He's very professional about it. Very, very professional. Uh, that's a very professional thing to do. Or his business card says confidentiality guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And we learn that like he it's takes pretty, that very serious, very serious for him to the yeah. point where I think other people would say something because it yeah. can put him in bad situations when you don't disclose information mm -hmm. but he's very very serious about yeah, it. yeah i mean if what, what are your thoughts on that by the way i don't want to say anything else already. great like i i get that it's respectable very yeah. respectable especially coming from someone who is i would say more a therapist than a psychic yeah very very professional thing to do because it holds you accountable for things that happen during the session while also in case you need it for your records giving you the ability to go back to it so if anything bad happens you know you could get in trouble which is you know of the purview of the client of course but it's just it's a super it just makes him feel very trustworthy, I guess. It builds a level of trust that I otherwise would not have of him. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering, because I'm trying not to do this without mentioning anything in the film. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> His He does something because of confidentiality mm -hmm. that seems almost immoral. Yeah. And I was just wondering your thoughts on that, because it's, it's <sighs> what he does, I feel, is kind of like 
I can get where you feel it's kind of shitty. Yeah. And like not great. But at the same time, I think it, he did the most professional thing. He literally says in the movie, damned if you do, damned if yeah, you don't. He didn't all. have a choice. I, I, I'm just going to say I respect it, I think. I respect it too. But also, I think for me at least, I, I think it was the right thing to do in this case because the person who asked of it of him asked him not to. Yeah. They were like, please keep this confidential. And he did. And that's his job. And like that, he, that's it. He gave his word. And mm-hmm. so he does it, even though he probably didn't necessarily think it was a great idea. Yeah, it. Def- I. You could argue both ways. Yeah. So, but that that was my take. I was just wondering. Yeah. But long story short, rather than a, a psychic, I feel like he's a hypnotherapist because that's what he does in his sessions. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't like do a traditional kind of hypnotism, but I think he plays like some music and he gets them calm, and then he gets them to work through things. So his classic mm-hmm. one that we see with the mom of Alice is he goes like, close your eyes and like go to your house. Like, what do you see? Yep. And he'll like walk her through there. He'll guide her, but he mostly like lets her kind of explore her subconscious. Mm-hmm. And to me, that comes off really like a, a hypnotherapist. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's a very good point. And then the other thing is a grief counselor because that's mostly what his work is. We get to see a couple of his clients and we get to see him mention it. But what he's dealing with are people who like have lost someone or mm-hmm. are have some type of terminal illness and are about to die. Oh, yeah. And in fact, like I think that's what he does on his show, too, is people call him mm-hmm. and ask and him questions. He just makes them feel better. Yeah. And the clip we see of him on a show, like he's talking to this woman and you can tell he feels bad. Oh, yeah. Big time. I don't know. So I I think the reason he goes with calling himself a a psychic rather than like a grief counselor or hypnotherapist is both because he tends to come at things from a more spiritual angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He's agnostic about it, maybe. But like he has the spirituality about his grief counseling that feels closer to like something a a priest might do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rather than that's a, a good point. Traditional like grief counselor. Yeah, I think that's important to note because like for a lot of people, unless they want to go to a priest, that's kind of the only way to get that style of that form of counseling. closure. Yeah, and closure. Yeah. But I think it's also because in a lot of places, being a hypnotherapist or like a grief counselor requires some type of I don't know like recognition or uh, yeah, like degree or degree. background or like. Uh, what's the one for experience? And I don't think he has that. He has experience, and he wants to help people. But he doesn't have the sort of paperwork. Know. Yeah, the pa- the that. official paperwork to sort of do that professionally. I think that's why he's a psychic. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's an interesting character. Yeah, um, I have something else I want to bring up about yeah. him. If you're done, go ahead. I had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. There's this character that we see throughout the movie. It's just one of their neighbors, and she's talking about June. Yeah. And the family, and how this is something you brought up, Ray. I, I don't know how he identifies spiritually, but he, he feels the closest to an agnostic. He doesn't go to church, you know, stuff like that. He's not a traditionally, like, Christian or person or anything like that. I mean, he's a psychic. But yeah, also, psychic. he says something like, I don't know what happens afterwards. Yeah. yeah. The family is as well. Something I, cause the throwaway line from one of the other characters is, I don't know how to comfort them because I'm not a churchgoer. Do you think that Ray was drawn to them because they have similar ideals about the spiritual, right? And the fact that they can connect on a separate level, and that's probably why they became friends, is because they can relate to each other and they can help each other through this difficult time. Do you think those are connected? Maybe in a way. I, I think it's that, that thing of, I think his clientele is just kind of like that. Okay, um, that makes sense. I don't think it was anything specific with this family. I just, that's such, I didn't really think about it until now. It's just an interesting connection to make. Anything else? No, I don't think so. All right, so we're going to talk about Matthew now. I think he might be the most interesting one. Uh, he's by far the most interesting one. Because he, he's... <laughs> but, uh. the, well, Alice might be the most interesting one. But I mean, yeah, that's We're going to talk about Matthew now. And I want to give another spoiler warning here. Because yes. we are going to mention a big spoiler for the movie. Oh, uh, we're going to talk about that? Okay. I think we kind of have because to. Because we have to. Yeah, we kind of have to. When we're talking about his character. However, this spoiler happens like, what, 30, 40 minutes into the film? I don't know. It felt like four hours. <laughs> it's like 30 or 40 minutes into the film. But it, it is a big one. So, like, here's another warning of, I know we're giving a lot of these, but please just go watch the film right now. 
before it, we it, spoil yeah. stuff. Just please, for the love of God. All right? Everyone good? All right. So Matthew is, I think, the younger brother of Alice. Mm-hmm. I think he's younger. At least that's the feeling I get. Yeah, same. But they're pretty close in age. Mm-hmm. I'd say he's probably a year younger or a year older. But they're close. around the same age. And it's shown like throughout that they're very close siblings. Yeah, they're like they're <laughs> unlike some, me and some of my siblings. They're actually friends. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing to note about Matthew is that he's very into photography. Like that's kind of like I'd say his passion. Yeah. And how this comes into play is that he starts taking these photos. Like he takes these photos of the backyard every yep. 4 months, 3 months I think. Oh, 3 months for yeah. 4 years. That's what it is. Yep. And he takes one a couple months after Alice's death and there's a image of Alice in, in the, the photo. Picture. Yep. And then he starts setting up some cameras. He the first one is to record the séance. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an image of Alice in that. And then he sets up cameras throughout the house. And there's more. And this is kind of where the ghost stuff comes in. Yeah. Because before this, it was mentioned that they they heard some noises in the house. And yep. the dad, who I need to say again, very not like spiritual. Yeah. More realistic person has an encounter with Alice. Yep. Which is interesting because they don't really bring it up again. Nope. Which I think is the best way to handle it. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I think his friend is like. I think he saw something. But who knows what it was. Because he wouldn't lie. Yeah. But I don't know if he saw a ghost. Mm-hmm. Great way to take this whole story. But Oh, yeah. Anyways, the the son captures all these images with Alice. And then additionally, some random people who were at the lake one day get a long-distance photo of Alice by the lake yeah, after she's on dead. <clears throat> the other side of the lake. But then it comes out that the person that was on the other side of the lake after Alice's death wasn't Alice. It was Matthew wearing yep. Alice's jacket. It was just very far away. And with the jacket... It, kind of look like her mm-hmm. and when the dad asks were you involved with anything else the son goes yeah i faked all these photos yep and i guess before i get into my thoughts what did what did you think Bob? okay so here's my thing yeah he gives good reason i think to why he does it i do too good because i was gonna be mad if you didn't because yeah. like basically do you want me to break this down because i think i have a yeah sure go for okay. it okay so in this film they found the body of alice in the lake Yep. Uh, it's right by this dam where she drowned. And they knew her, she was dead, but they don't find her body for like three or four days. Yep. And when they pulled her out of the water, she looked bad. I mean, yeah. bodies that sit in water and start to decompose in water do not look good. No. And Alice did not look good. And so when she's taken to the coroner's office and both her parents are called in to like ID the body, only her dad goes. The mom couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so the dad goes and IDs the body and says, this is Alice. And it's very clear from the beginning of the film that the mom is upset with herself that she didn't get to ID the body. Yep. Like, she does. She has the reasoning of she didn't want to see Alice, like, for the last time looking like that, which I totally get. Understandable. That's a horrible way can to I, remember your Can daughter. I say something? Yeah. When we were watching the movie, you saw me. I, t- I couldn't look at the body. Oh, Bob Every time it came up, I looked away because I couldn't angry, do it. I, but, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and you can tell that Dad's messed up after seeing his, his daughter that way. Oh, yeah. But he's just time. like, it, that was my responsibility. So I can totally get why the mom didn't want to see her daughter like that. I, I don't feel, like, angry at her or anything. Mm-mm. I think that's, no. a, that's a mature decision. And I also think the dad's decision, while painful, is very commendable mm-hmm. because someone had to do it. But the mom doesn't get that closure of being able to go, this is my daughter 100%, she's dead. Yeah. And it really messes her up. Like, a lot of the issues she has, like the nightmares and the walking into other people's houses is because she's not properly dealing with her grief. Yeah. And really what this is, is the son says that he created all these fakes. Very specifically, he says he created that photo fake. Yeah. Because he knew that the body of Alice couldn't get exhumed and then re-examined for like a DNA sample to confirm that it was her. Yep. Unless there was sufficient evidence 
to be like, hey, that could not be Alice. Yeah, and I think it was just he's coming from a place of wanting his mom to get over it yeah. and helping her. So his intentions are good. Mm-hmm. But then the cameraman asked him, do you think this made things worse for June, his mom? And he said, yeah. yeah and he struggles it with it. For yeah, he doesn't want to answer the question because I think he knows that it did. Yeah. But also I think the big part of it is he had to somehow convince his dad to that what the body he stuff. saw wasn't Alice. I think that was That's the big one. That's he has to get his dad to think that maybe he was wrong because without both of their consent, they can't exhume the body. Yeah. And that one's really hard because the dad, A, has ID the body, but it makes the dad hope in the back of his mind yep. that like maybe this was someone else's kid. Maybe it was anything else but my own daughter. And yeah. that, oh, God. that's a hard interview to watch the dad admit. That, that is a hard one, dude. So I agree with his reasoning for the initial photo, right? That's what got Alice exhumed. Mm-hmm. See, the thing, though, is that Matthew goes on to do a bunch of other images of Alice throughout the house after yeah. she's been exhumed. Like the stuff during the seance. Mm-hmm. Or just the random footage in the hallways. and yeah. Well, because it would be weird if it just stopped. Would it, though? Mm. Would it? I guess it would. I See, guess I guess my point is his, his, his reasoning of helping his mom starts to fall apart there. Yeah. And I think when the mom, she's, she's interviewed about, like, what she thinks about her son doing this. And she says, I don't think he entirely knows why he did it. Yeah. Because she's like, his reasoning sounds normal. And so I'd like to post my thoughts on the whole thing. Okay. So I think he, he wasn't lying when he said, I did that first image to help his, his mom. Yeah. I think that it was his initial reasoning for doing this. Mm-hmm. I think things changed, though, when he started doing more of them. And I, I think his mom's right. I don't think he was entirely conscious of why he continued to do it. What I think happened was I think creating the images of Alice was a way for Matthew to kind of feel like she was still with him. Because they were very close. And I think that just gave him a sense of she's still there. I mean... And we see that's kind of something he's struggling with is dealing with her passing because he was very close for him. And I think he's, out of all the family members, I think he's taking it the worst. He just internalizes it more. Mm-hmm. I mean, right after she dies, he goes out to the lake where she drowned in, like, her jacket yeah. to feel close to her, which is not a normal thing to do unless you're Mm-mm. really not feeling good. And I think another sign of that is we get, this is the one of the only interviews with one of the Matthews friends, but there's a friend that he has that, yeah, his best friend. His best friend. Uh, and he was like, the best friend was like, yeah, I stay over at the house two or three times a week. Like, I'm always over there hanging out with Matthew. And he talks about, like, they're in a band together and they play music. And he's like, after Alice died, Matthew got really quiet. He was he was a quiet kid before, but he goes, he was way more quiet than normal. And for, like, like unsettlingly so. A real quiet kid. So yeah. much that you don't necessarily notice mm-hmm. to go even, even quieter yeah. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But Especially going, like, not nonverbal, but not sp- Speaking as much as, I mean, it's a sign of deep trauma. Yeah. I think all these signs point to him having a lot more emotional grief and problems dealing with the issue. Sure. Even then his mom, who's just very vocal about it, but is still kind of coping. And I don't think he's really coping well at all. So I think making these images, he did the first one and it, it gave him a way, like an outlet to feel kind of close to his sister again. And I think that in a way has helped him. And so that's why he does it the second time Mm -hmm. when he's at the seance. But I think the other reason he starts doing these, like, video images and stuff is because it causes the family as a whole, like his mom and his dad, to actually sit down and deal with this issue. Because before, it it feels to me like the family is not dealing with it. No, I think— he was going (sighs) and spending a lot of time with his friend and just by himself alone. His dad was working a shit ton. His dad ton. was working a shit ton. And, and his mom, mom was not coping. Not coping at all. But all of a sudden, like, he does the first images, and now the mom talked to this guy, Ray. But then mm-hmm. she brought him to the house to help all of them do this thing where they sit down and they actually think about Alice as being dead. 
Yeah. And I think he kind of has this point of, I'm doing this, and it's bringing the family together again. Like, in a way, we haven't been together since Alice died. Like, mm-hmm. we haven't been a family. Yeah. And it's bringing us all together because we're all working on this project. And it's also, like, a way for me to feel close to her because he's going through all this footage of her and stuff. Yeah. And so I think subconsciously he just keeps doing it because it's making things better. Like, he says it, it, it made things worse for June, but sometimes things have to be get worse before they get better. Fair. And while I think it causes people emotional trauma these images and that's kind of messed up that he did that at the same time it's the thing that forces the family to work through all their issues Mm -hmm. like it's the it's the spark yeah that's my read on it yeah i think that's a pretty i think that's pretty solid i i think mostly because like i said at the top of it his intentions are never bad he is not trying to cause harm he just wants to help them figure it out yeah I, i i just think it's interesting that it just feels like he's a teenager and he didn't necessarily think through his actions entirely or know yeah entirely why he's doing them he just mm-hmm. did it because he thought it was a good idea and then i do that a lot kept doing it because he it worked and it, i and i think it's sort of a cycle of i did it once it helped if i do it again why wouldn't it still help but it did help yeah exactly and and sometimes it made things worse but again it, it made them deal with their issues yeah which i think is important in this film because mm-hmm. that's kind of what it feels like is the whole film i said it's a study of grief but like we've seen the character drama obviously yeah but it's a study of grief because like they go through denial and you know then they have to start dealing with their emotions of it and they only deal with their emotions because of the things that happen in the story that are shocking yeah oh god um but it it slowly gets to them to the the point at the end of the movie where rather than being like oh we solved all the issues they're just like no we accept it yeah which is a great conclusion they hit they literally go through all the stages of grief and and ends on acceptance so it's a great way of showing someone going through grief yeah i it's good. It's very, very good. But I, I think it also shows that, like, sometimes you do need a catalyst for an issue to mm-hmm. deal with your grief. Yeah. Like, I don't think they could have gotten through it without Matthew doing this. No, like, no it's way. it's kind of crappy, and it caused more problems for the family. But I don't think they would have dealt with their grief without No, I don't it. think so either. All right. So, that's Matthew. That's Ray. That's the parents. Yep. The only other big character to talk about is Alice. Holy shit. And I don't want to unpack a lot with Alice, because... I don't either. She's so intimately tied into the plot Mm -hmm. not as a character no as a concept but as a concept because they say in the film that no one really knew who alice was yeah i mean there's multiple reveals throughout the film and i think alice's best friend i don't remember her name oh god one you know who i'm talking about yes she, K. she kind of summarizes the concept of alice the best where like she's like it's kind of hard learning that your friend keeps secrets but also that they keep the secret that they keep secrets. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like you don't know them. And she goes on to say that, you know, I feel like I knew one version of Alice. Her parents knew another. And then there was a version of Alice that only Alice knew. That is, it's such a and good I, line. It's such a good summation of what Alice mm-hmm. represents in this film. For sure. Especially with what we learn. Like, because it's crazy. Even at the end of the film, I don't feel like I really knew her. No, not at I all. Mean, I feel like I have a, a better overview than necessarily the characters. But sure. it's also a very different version of her than I think she actually was or that the brother had or her friends. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to look at because we're not looking at, I would say, Alice as a character in a movie. We're looking at Alice as a person in all the different parts of Alice and from all the different perspectives. It's It's just, it's so interesting to look at a person from an Outside perspective, our perspective as viewers of the movie, right? But then we get but the, in the character's past, perspective. Because she's dead. Yeah. Like, we can't learn anything firsthand, too. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting everything from a third-person third view, basically, of what she was like to all these different people. 
And then we learn the things that she was like around these other people. And when you put it all together, it feels like, I don't know, this is going to sound bad. It feels like she was less of a, not a person, but like, it's so hard for me to word this. I don't really know. I She doesn't feel real? Yeah. Like, almost. How she acts towards people doesn't feel real. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that's just how people act around others. Like, you're mm-hmm. not the same around everyone. No, not at all. But the thing is, it's such a drastic difference. And it's just between all of them having it pointed out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the big takeaway about her. I will say, I don't think she's very nice to her friends. Mm. I, not <laughs> nice is the wrong word. Her keeping of like differences, mm-hmm. I think, is probably affects her friends the worst. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. Specifically, Brett. I feel so bad for him. God, so bad. Rest for him. in peace. He just he he. That was a hard because. That's also an interesting thing about the show. Like we're we're centered on this family and their yeah. struggle with this. We don't get to see like our best friends or any of her friends. Alice's kind of boyfriend's interaction like, with this. And yeah, I think it's that interesting idea that there's other people's stories going on mm-hmm. that are probably also fairly interesting. Yeah, I mean, and it's cool seeing their inter- some of their interviews too. But there's also so little of their interviews that you know it's not the focus. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah, it, I think that grounds it right. That keeps it feeling like. A documentary. Yeah. Because, of course, they're not going to interview the boyfriend all the time if he's not really the centerpiece of the documentary, but you have to include him because he probably knows some stuff. Yeah, that no one else does. Exactly. So, I think that's kind of all good things to have with Alice. But I do want to address one particular note about her. Mm-hmm. And, again, spoilers for the whole movie. So, this is, like, a really big spoiler. So Is it the thing at the end? No. Oh, okay. This is going to be kind of related to some of, I think, the stuff Alice was going through personally. And okay. also kind of some of the, the ghostly elements in this film. But I will say, mega spoilers here, though. So please go watch it first for this to make sense and also not to spoil things. But then come back to this because I think this is I'm something I'm not necessarily sure you noticed. You might have. But we talked about Ray earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's eventually revealed that Ray ah, this, okay. had interactions with Alice. Mm-hmm. Alice had not been feeling good for some undisclosed reasons we're not going to talk about. And she'd been having nightmares and stuff. And she went to see Ray about it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, her mom later goes to see Ray about her stuff. Yep. By the way, this is what causes some fallout between the family. Yeah, this is the confidentiality thing. Ray didn't disclose to the family that he saw Alice, but yep. Alice told him not to. So mm-hmm. one of the things I want to point out is that the film kind of sets up a almost neutral kind of view on the ghost. Not entirely, but kind of close. Ah, I see where you're going. But one of the things it does, or at least hints at, is that some of the issues Alice is having are reflected with some of the issues the characters have in the future. Yeah. Almost like some of the issues past Alice is is dealing with are seeing some of the ghostly events from the future. Almost Mm -hmm. like as if her sense of self when she was still alive is imposed onto events in the present Mm -hmm. when the story is taking place. There's two really big examples of this. I know I know of one, but I don't one know what the other one is. Is the mom finds Alice's diary and she's mm-hmm. reading it and it's a it's the story about Alice woke up in the middle of the night with a nightmare and she leaves her room and she walks into her parents' room and she stands at the foot of the bed and she looks down at them and she freezes in terror cuz she she already woke up from this nightmare and she, yeah. everything's feeling a little bit odd but she goes to her parents for help and she looks at down at them and she has this kind of moment of realization that they can't help her anymore mm-hmm. and so she starts crying and just looking at them yeah. without moving i think the big thing for me is this one she said she felt woke up and felt drugged and confused and dazed yeah and did she just felt off but she you, felt weird. Yeah. Very, very heart-wrenching thing mm-hmm. to hear read about her. <laughs> From her mom. Yeah. Because the mom's crying. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a 
it's a hard thing to have written in a diary. Mm-hmm. But the tie-in here, do you know what it is? Yeah. Is that later on in the film, there was a clip that they don't have an explanation for. They know Matthew didn't fake it. And there's a figure that looks like Alice standing over the parents' bed while they're sleeping. Yeah. And it almost feels like, at least my reading of it, is the events of when Alice kind of did that we're seeing later on as this ghostly event. Wait. So did you not catch what I'm talking about what then? What are you talking about? I think why well, I said there's two of them, Bob. Stop pogging. <laughs> well, okay, we'll keep going. You so might that, have, you that's, might be that's the really big one. Yeah. The other one, though, is we get to see the footage of Alice's interview with Ray. So, and oh, okay. Hold on. The footage of the mom's interview with Ray. Yeah. And what we realize is happening is during the mom's last interview with Ray, she's talking about walking into Alice's room mm-hmm. and no one being there. And then she leaves. Yeah. Because that's just so that like, she's moved on. Mm-hmm. But during Alice's, like, I think last interview with Ray, if yeah. her only one. I think it's the only one she does, yeah. She talks about she's standing in her room and her mom walks in and she doesn't see Alice. Yep. And then she leaves and mm-hmm. she's gone. And it's this interaction of, you know, Alice and the mom, it's implied, are in the same subliminal space. At the same time, yeah. But at different time periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that the one you were talking about? No, there's a third one. There is, but what is it? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, I remember there was something. So one of the first things the mom says when after Alice dies is she's been having this recurring nightmare That's what of is, Alice yeah. standing at the foot of her bed, dripping wet. Yeah. And she's so terrified in the nightmare that when she wakes up, she doesn't open her eyes. Yeah. That's exactly what Alice did when she she stood there at the end of her parents' bed, terrified, sobbing. And after, and this is she has a nightmare after she dies. Um, so that's another sort of tie into the whole, you know, yeah, all of it. And that's kind of like it's a very thing interesting throughout the film is like the ghostly elements are kind of weirdly tied throughout time. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a weird, but I like it. Yeah, it's it's a weird concept to think about, but it makes sense when you look at it as a whole. Yeah. Because all the timing feels off when you watch it the first time, but when you finish the movie, you go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I will say, though, it's a very depressing ending yeah. to this film. And it's sad. While I don't want to give away too much, the reason I think this is very sad is summarized in that interview Alice has where she says her mom walks out. Yeah. It's because... You know, even at the beginning, there's some implication that Alice's ghost might be trapped in the house. Yeah. Right? The dad kind of almost sees her. Might have been something that happened in the past. But yeah. the dad sees her. But also, they know there's some noises around the house. But they all leave the house. And there's kind of this sad moment of, you know, even if Alice is still trapped in the house, she's unable to move on. But everyone else is. Yeah. That's <sighs> that's the sad conclusion to this film. Is, yeah. You know, this is about the family. It's, it's not about Alice. This mm-hmm. isn't about the fact that Alice died. It's sad. But it's not about helping Alice either. This is a film about the Palmer family, the remaining Palmer family, and how yeah. they, they move on. It's just a, it's an interesting distinction, but it also casts a very sad kind of narrative to it. Yeah. Because it's nothing you can do for Alice now. She's dead. Oh, God. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. All right. With that, you want to go to the, the outtakes? We have to rate it, Ben. Oh, yeah. I forgot we don't do that in the, at the end. Yep. All right. So. Well, recommendations, of course. Yeah. You want to give your recommendation first, Bob? Sure. If you want. I think Ben has a very good point. This is a classic ghost story. Like, genuinely, this feels... It's more... It's less about a ghost as a person and more about a ghost as a presence. Yeah. Like, it. it's so... If you're... Okay, first of all, if you're into suspenseful movies, fucking phenomenal. I don't know if I'd even say suspense. Really? Because I was fucking tense the whole time. Yes. You're on the edge of your seat. But that's not necessarily suspense. That's more atmospheric. It's a very... I guess atmospheric is a good word for it. It's a very atmospheric, not scary, but spooky like yeah. it, it's not I was not ah I wasn't screaming but I was like oh my god holy shit I was there's this this film is so layered and dense and there's a lot to unpack but if you want a character driven family based ghost drama 
that's that is I don't maybe a spoiler tied into true crime kind of. It almost feels like true crime, right? A little bit ways. I mean, they deal with some of the police stuff. Yeah, with like Alice, she died. They had mm-hmm. to go find her body. They had to like, yeah, yeah. ID it, stuff like that. Uh, thriller maybe, but I don't know if that. I don't. Not it's really. so hard for me to peg what this movie is. Yeah, because it's so. It does a lot of things very well. It does a lot of things very well. If you like documentaries, this feels like a documentary. You would love this. If you like like ghost documentaries, this is fantastic. Even though it's not true, it's really really good. Yeah, I think that's all my recommendations. I think that's it. So my main recommendation here is if you are looking for a character-driven kind of atmospheric study into, like, grief and its effects on a person, this is perfect for you. If you're also looking for, like, a ghost story that is just more, like, classic and is more about ghosts as a presence or an idea rather than a figure of direct torment or interaction, it's yeah. also very, very good because it's hard to find films like that because it's it doesn't necessarily work well in traditional uh, film have a no. ghost that's like that compared to a ghost that's actively doing stuff. Yeah. It's hard to transition that from like books to the screen. With those suggestions being said, you need to be prepared for a very slow and somber movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is very much a movie where it is best enjoyed, where it's quiet and dark. And I'd even say by yourself, you know, you want to be really sad. Sure. So you're less likely to like have a distraction from it because this is a film that works best when you are made very sad by it so the emotional notes hit you harder and i just watching with bob it's i found that it's harder to do when you have someone there with you i I got yelled at a lot because bob starts getting angry and i'm like it's because of the themes this film deals with i feel like watching it is a very personal experience yeah that's fair and so i feel like it can be best enjoyed by yourself alone where you don't have distractions that being said very very slow movie and while i think that is a benefit of it. If you are not prepared for that, and if you yeah. don't like that style, it it's going to be very hard for you to watch. It, it's a it'll because be a slog. Even yeah. though it's enjoyable, Bob said, "Oh my god, I feel like I've been watching for four hours." But I think that because it's slow, it's it's good for this movie. It yeah. should feel slow, but it I, is. And once again, not slow in a bad way. I think my biggest thing why it felt so slow is because I was fucking invested. But you should feel invested. I felt like I gave a shit. I felt like I was, it was literally, it it was the anticipation of waiting for the next reveal of what was going on, right? It was this. And yet not necessarily expecting something to happen. No, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, the first reveal of Matthew having made the footage, that feels like the end of the movie. That feels like it should be the natural end to the story. I think I literally yelled, what the fuck, (laughs) when it happened. Because I was like, oh my god, no, what the hell is this? But then other stuff happened and Bob's like, it's not over yet. Yeah, it, it it does such a good job of setting up nothing to knock down something. <laughs> yeah, that's a good example. But yeah, it. Oh, those are. I guess that's my recommendation. I know that's not super specific, but no rating, Bob. Four and a half. Okay, this movie's great. Why? Why? I love the documentary style. Yeah. It it does such a fantastic job at feeling Why real. I really wanted to show it off because it is so fucking cool. When this film does it better than the other ones, I think way better, way to better. The point where I again, if you didn't tell me this was real, oh, you could have fooled me. You could have fooled me. You could have gotten me good, easy. You could have. You should have opened with, oh yeah, this is real, and I would have lost it. Because this is crazy. Yeah, but you should have known it wasn't, so I didn't do it. But yeah. I did think about it. No, the documentary style is great. The acting is I so good. Yeah. From everyone. Not necessarily traditionally good. No. But it but works for this setting. It grounds everything in real. It makes it feel so real. All of it feels so real. And that is what is so unnerving about the whole thing. Because you feel invested with these characters. You feel like you, you give a shit because they feel real. Mm-hmm. 
And that makes the emotional depth of the movie so much richer. It makes me, and that's why the movie feels so long is because you're just, it's the anticipation of waiting to see what's going to happen next because you care about these characters and their progress in their, you know, journey through grief, right? Yeah. Also, really quick, because I didn't ask this, do you think this film could have worked as not this style? No. I don't think it works. I don't either. think it works at all. I don't think you could have. And this is the first, I would say, found footage movie where I thought the found footage was great. Yeah, it also wouldn't have worked as a traditional found footage Mm-mm, film either. Not at like, all. Like, you need the fact that this is happening already. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I think th- I think my favorite, one of my favorite things about this movie is the integration of the found footage cameras feels natural. It doesn't feel forced. It feels like this is just something that Matthew would do. Yeah. Like, it just, it all makes sense. It also doesn't lean heavily on it. Like, most no. of the film is new footage. So what they actually do use is still poignant and important. Yeah. Right? It doesn't feel overdone. I think the end of the movie is great. I like I liked the reveals that we get throughout it. I mean, the one that made me, like, sit there for five minutes with my mouth open is crazy. Like, that would—I didn't see—there's no way you could have expected No way that. you could see that shit coming from anywhere. Except None of it. Unless you've noticed things. Yeah. If you pick up on shit, you'll see it. Because it's there. It is. It is. It's such a well well designed piece of media. My only want is yeah. So why'd you give it a four point five and not a five? It could have been scarier. I was not ooh ah scared. Right, that never happened. But I was unnerved. Okay. I maybe maybe a single jump scare and I would have given it a five probably. A single really solid scare would have got me there. But All it right. just didn't have it. You ready? Yeah. Never mind. Five. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. Mm-hmm. This is a I know I totally get it. This is a fantastic movie. I think this is really the only film I've seen that truly deserves to be this style, where it's like a found footage film, but one that makes itself look like a documentary because yes. it, it sells it. This it's... looks so real. But more importantly than that, I think it does an exploration on grief and like how it affects these different characters and the reactions to everything in such a realistic way. Mm-hmm. And it's acted in a way that feels very realistic. It The whole film is just done very, very well. It's kind of weird to see that like this director hasn't done anything else. That's crazy. I mean, to, in a way, it kind of makes sense because this is a very specific style of film. Mm-hmm. But he just does such a great job with it. Yeah. I think the only gripe that Bob had is that this film isn't scary. Yeah. I can get where you'd come from with that because this isn't like a very scary film in the traditional sense, Mm -mm. but it is a film that deals with elements of like existential dread. Yeah. Like part of the reason I said watch this alone is because of the way it affects you and builds up that dread is very innately linked to being alone. Mm -hmm. I couldn't watch this alone. I couldn't do it. Right. But why? Because it would have been scarier, right? I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'd be so unnerved. I guess my point is like, I think, like, traditional scares would have taken away from this film. In fact, I think if they were there, it would have lowered my rating of it. I um, think one good one. Maybe just one good there one. There is one good one in this, Bob. And again, I don't think it got you because I was here. I, like, I legitimately think that affect your viewing experience. I know which one. I think I know which one you're talking about. It did get me, but Bob, I, there's one scare in this film, and I think Bob knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually completely disagree with Bob's thing that there's not one good scare in this film because there is one good scare in no, this film. I, Bob, I've seen this film multiple times. Every single time I watch this film, even though I know it's coming, it still gets me. Really? It's not a jump scare. It's a it's a it's a legitimate scare that takes advantage of the tension that's built throughout the movie. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I know which one you're talking about. And it I think maybe you're right if I had watched it alone it would have gotten me good, but I guess be you being here helped. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm just saying cuz I think you had that since I was here you kind of had that idea that you could you felt safer and less alone, but also yeah. like you got more vocal about things and it gave you a way to relieve tension that you wouldn't have had. Oh, that's otherwise. what I'm talking about when I say this movie's tense. Like the suspense is the suspense is the fact that you that there are no scares, right? There's 
not that there are no scares, but there's no nothing to relieve your tension of the throughout the film. There's nothing there to break it up. It's just this fucking. It's like it's like someone has taken your. <laughs> it's just like real life, you know. There's not necessarily a big event. It's like your heart is one big harp, and they're just pulling it apart. And yeah. all the strings are stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching, and then they just keep stretching, and then eventually it just breaks. Yeah. Anyways, and that's the end of the movie. I'm gonna give it a five. I think it went above and beyond what would oh, yeah. be expected of it. Oh, for especially sure. Especially from a small director with a budget like this. Oh yeah, uh, big time. And I definitely disagree with you that there there wasn't a scare in this. I think there was a very good scare. In this. <sighs> it. Yeah. I don't know. I. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I wanted it to be more. And I guess you're right. It wouldn't really fit the tone, but like. Just a little more. I don't want it to lean more into Ghost, but maybe if they had broken it up more, like um, the Exorcism Emily Rose did, and sort of because it does have the dichotomy of oh, it's a spirit, oh, it's not, right? Yeah, but it's not innately a scary story. Though. That's not the point. Fair. You know what? Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I just like I. I'm, I'm I guess just... going into it in the guise of a horror movie, which it is. A, I would yeah. say it's a horror movie. I wanted a little more, but I guess. Having the context of the tone of the film, it makes sense why they did not. Yeah, I'm just interested because, like, you take away a point for it. A half um, a point. I know, but, like, that, that's such an interesting thing for me because I don't think it deserves it, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, I just is, wanted one good scared that maybe you'll fuck or something. I know, but it was there. I just, I'm kind of sad because I don't think it worked solely because of the environment we watched this film in. Mm, I see, I see. Because, like, I don't get jump scared by stuff. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen you jump. <laughs> there's a scare in this that makes me jump when I watch this film by myself. Oh, so, oh. you know, point of discontent there. But I agree mostly. Mostly. All right, we're going to go to the outtakes now. We've, mm-hmm. we've done that. Uh, I don't think we have too many. Mostly it's just Bob saying things for a second because <laughs> Bob was very quiet for most of this film. Yeah. Or when he was loud and angry, we just didn't clip it because it was just him being... Just being loud and angry. <laughs> being a little shit because he wanted to calm himself down. There might be, I might, There. Uh, let's just say there might be some Disney talk on the outtakes. <laughs> There's not going to be any Disney talk. I might include, I'll, I'll, I'll just get through it. All right. Uh, <sighs> we'll see you in a bit. We'll see you in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Lake Mungo so far. I had a blast with this movie. I think it's so freaking cool. Without further ado, let's get into the first outtake. This actually came to us from before the movie. Ben decided to be very, very funny to push my buttons, and I just so happened to get it on recording. Should you check your mic? I just walked through this. What are you doing? What? Don't fucking. I'm sorry. I I gotta get into my. uh, You hoe bag. It works. My uh, my podcast mindset, which no, a lot please of my don't. podcast mindset is just poking Bob's buttons. It is. And it's like... But it makes good content. It makes good content, but it makes it when you do it, it works so much worse because I'm like, oh, we're not on the show. I could be <laughs> mad about this. I'm like, I'm allowed to be angry if I wish, but I'm like, no, I won't be. You can get angry on the podcast. No, too. no, no, no. I, would, I, listen, I think that makes it funnier. I have held my rage in for a very long <laughs> time, and I will not be... I will not unleash it until I'm ready. Boop, 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 boop. Are you gonna fucking clap us in? <laughs> Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast. We randomly swat. Where we randomly watch a new horror episode every week. A new horror episode? Yeah.
It's there's are horrifying episodes. Look at look at this. Look at our opening. Look at what just happened. Look at how bad I fumbled that one. Jesus fuck. This next clip is our reaction to seeing Alice's body for the first time after it has been recovered from the lake. Oh. <gasps> she looks fucking nuts. Yeah, she was underwater for like three or four days. That's crazy. This next clip is my reaction to Ben pointing out that Alice's apparition is visible on a mirror that's sitting on a table. Okay, I don't get this one. Do you see it? Left-hand side of the mirror. Oh, fuck off! This next clip is our reaction to seeing Alice's full apparition for the very first time. <gasps> no. Hey. Hey, yo. Hey, yo, Alice. Oh. No. Hey, yo. Hi. Hello. How are you? First time we've actually met this movie. Hi. <laughs> Fuck. This next clip is our reaction to seeing that there's someone in the recording of the house that should not be there. Oh. My. Fuck. Is that, who is that? What the hell is he doing in there? Bro, this... Yup. Just save it. What is going on? This next clip is my reaction to what I've dubbed getting Michaeled. Mm. Bah. <gasps> Go away. It's like I'm getting Michaeled. We've just been getting Michaeled the whole movie. I, that's what I'm talking about. Just watch. What, are you finally going to jump scare me? Stupid bitch. It's a photo, Bob. I know. That doesn't matter. Thank fucking God. Wow. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes for this episode. All right, Benjamin. Yeah. This was the last episode of, like, actual movies for this board. I know, and I am so excited. So next week, we're going to do our wrap-up, and we're going to announce to you all what our actual movies are. Yes. So oh, I'm so hype. Look forward to that. Yeah, so no movie next week. We're just going to be discussing this board, all the movies you watched on it, some different discussion points, our ratings on them. We'll announce the random. We'll announce our categories. I'm so excited to see what you picked. I'm like, I'm getting giddy thinking about it, Ben. Like, I'm just like, oh, because it feels, okay, so for us, like, we record these in, in batches because it's easier on us because we can't, we don't have time to record every weekend, right? It feels like we've been on this board for so long. Yeah. I feel like I've been sitting here in anticipation waiting. Not because the movies were bad or anything, but like, I'm just, I'm hype. I'm like, I want to, I want new stuff. Like, I'm just excited to see what other stuff we get to watch. It's just fun to get to see a new concept. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited. So... You have that to look forward to next week. Otherwise, we don't really have any announcements. So. No. Uh, well, actually, a small update on the art. <laughs> no, we're not getting it this board. We're not getting it this board. For so here's what happened. I get a, I get a message from our art guy, and he's like, "Hey," because I, I text him. I was like, "Hey, 
is because I wanted to see if he could have it done by the time this board was over, so we could show it off and announce it on this on the wrap up. Because I was like, that would be awesome to finally have it and announce it on the wrap up and then release everything onto Spotify for the whole second season, all out at once. Be awesome. He opened up his art file and it was corrupted and he had to restart completely from scratch. So what I'm hearing is maybe it's the third board. Maybe we'll... maybe it's the fourth board. Uh, hopefully it's the third. So like we're not on Spotify joke. yet or Apple Podcasts or Anchor FM or anywhere you get podcasts. We're just on YouTube at the moment. Yeah. So uh, go check us out on YouTube. You know, I don't know. Just go kind of go be there. <laughs> go be there. Or don't. Still uh, dealing with it. Ben's vibing. But uh, go subscribe, like, comment, <laughs> comment in the doobly doo. Just kind of, you know, don't <sighs> don't drown yourself in the sea of it. But get there. Check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. That's where I post all updates for the show, including when the podcast episodes go live. Every Monday, I post a spoiler reveal for the movie on Friday so that if you want to watch the movie beforehand and don't want to get spoiled, you can do that. I also post uh, polls there if we have polls. Basically, if you want an update on the show, it's on our Twitter, at Beware the Board. Follow us. I think that's it. That's it. So I guess we'll see you next week, everybody. And remember, always beware the board.